Kyora from your Every Nation Southside family here in Papatoitoi, Auckland. You are now listening to a podcast from our church service, and we pray that you will be blessed by it. For more information, please visit our Facebook page or feel free to contact our church office. This is part two of our manifest series that we started last week. Um, Luti kicked it off in a powerful way last week, and it was amazing. Um, and so this series is about the presence of God and how it manifests in our lives and the amazing vision that God has for us, uh, for us, his people, and for us, his church, and for the generations to come. And so if you were here for part one last week, you would know that the series is based on Ezekiel 47. And of course, it was written, the scripture that we will be looking at today that we looked at last week and we'll look at next week, was written by a prophet named Ezekiel. Now, Ezekiel, just to give you a little bit of background, he did not live in the promised land. Uh, He was alive during a time where uh, Israel, because of their disobedience, had uh, been kicked out of the promised land, basically, and uh, they had they had been overthrown and overtaken by the Babylonians. So whoever survived this attack was actually carried away and forced to live in exile in Babylon. So they were far away from home. It was a time of hopelessness and despair. Their city lay in ruins, the temple was destroyed. And it probably seemed to them like God had left them and they were just gonna die there. And so during this time, God gave a number of visions to this prophet Ezekiel. And in Ezekiel 47, he has a vision where Jerusalem has been restored and there's a new improved temple. The temple has been rebuilt and it's even better temple than before. Uh, And in this vision that Ezekiel has, there's an angel showing him around and God tells him to take this vision and declare it to all of the people of Jerusalem because God wanted them to know that it was a time for them to wake up and get ready because God was getting ready to do something huge. Now, church, Ulu and I believe, our staff believe, our leaders believe that we are living in such a time today. You know, uh, God has a vision that He wants to show us a vision to inspire hope and to wake us up. Everyone say, Wake up! Wake up! That's not the voice I use when I'm waking up my kids for school for the 17th time. Wake up. No. (laughs) Oh, lovely children. Wake up. I believe God wants to wake us up because he is getting ready to do something huge, something mind-blowingly awesome in our midst here in Southside, and he wants us to be a part of it. And this thing that God is getting ready to do will echo for the generations to come. Do you believe it? Man, I believe it. And I want to be a part of it too. So let's take a look at his word. Ezekiel 47 verses 1 to 12. This is Ezekiel's vision. The man, this is the angel that's showing him around, the man brought me back to the entrance to the temple and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple towards the east for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. 
He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east. And the water was trickling from the south side. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in a river that no one could cross. He asked me, son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. And when I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, this water flows toward the Eastern region and goes down into the Arabah where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh Swarms of living creatures will live, for, live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand, do, stand along the shore from En Gedi to En Eglame. There will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea, but the swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit, because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Amen. So this vision, huh? What's going on? kind of a strange picture, right? It's a little bit crazy. Uh, so let's break it down. So we've got a new temple, and we've got a trickle of water dripping out of the temple. That trickle of water gets bigger and bigger and deeper and becomes a powerful river that brings life to whatever it touches. So let's take a closer look at these two main elements in the vision. I believe that God has a powerful message for us today. The first element, the temple. Now the temple, it represents the place where God dwells, the place where his presence resides, where his glory is manifested and shown. Originally, in the beginning of the Bible, that place was the Garden of Eden. You know, God dwelled with Adam and Eve. The Hebrew word that is used for dwelling with Adam and Eve translates directly to mean walks back and forth. And the Bible says that they used to walk back and forth in the garden, walking and talking. They got to talk with him every day, face to face. Imagine that, eh? Good morning, Lord. I was thinking of having some blueberries for breakfast this morning. What do you think? Well, you had some yesterday. How about some bananas? Here I was, you know, organizing this conversation by myself, and Ulu was like, can you please not act crazy? <laughs> We've got visitors. <laughs> but, you know, wouldn't that be amazing, you know, if you could literally live in God's face-to-face -face presence, talking with him every day, you know. But nowadays, you know, we can't do that because of sin. 
You know, it's, it's like, if we were like Adam and Eve, you could say, at night, going to bed, good night, Lord. <laughs> but imagine if you said that today, good night, Lord, and then you hear, good night. <laughs> It reminds me of this meme that my kids showed me a couple of weeks ago. You know when you sneeze and someone says, bless you, but you're home alone? <laughs> Back in the spirit. So of course, as we know, sin came along and wrecked everything. And Adam and, and, Adam and Eve had to leave the Garden of Eden. And they could no longer live in God's direct face-to-face -face presence. But generations later, God was still pursuing a relationship with his people. And he created a way in which a holy God could dwell on earth with a sinful people. And he gave Moses strict instructions and the tabernacle was built. So this tabernacle was a temporary dwelling place for the presence of God, which was kind of like a huge tent that the people of Israel had with them in the time before they entered the promised land. Here they would worship and offer sacrifices and God's presence was there. Fast forward to generations after that, now living in the promised land, King David had longed to do this for such a long time. He designed a brand new permanent tab tabernacle, the temple, and his son Solomon built it. Now here the people got to worship and fellowship with God in his presence. But again, because of sin and disobedience, enemies were able to come and overthrow God's people several times, and the temple was destroyed. But God was still pursuing a way for his people to dwell once again in his presence. So now Jesus himself came to earth in human form and dwelt among us. His manifest or tangible presence was here dwelling with mankind once again. Not only that, but because of Jesus' sinless life and his death on the cross and his resurrection, because of that, he paid the way for us to be able to once again, through our faith in Christ, be able to have intimate relationship with him. And he was able to come and dwell inside of us, in our hearts. Those romantics in the house, you know, you would probably say, man, that's an awesome love story. Would you agree? That's amazing. God's pursuit of a relationship with us throughout history and the different dwelling places of his presence. So taking it back, it kind of looked like this. Started off in the Garden of Eden, then the tabernacle, the temple, then Christ on earth, and now today in my heart, in your heart. That is God's dwelling place now. And so I explained all of this to say that the new temple that we see in Ezekiel, it's us. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 16 says, For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their people, and they will be my people. The temple is where God's presence dwells. When we put our hope and our faith in Christ, he lives in us, he dwells in us. The temple is you and me. The temple is our church, the church, the body of Christ. We are God's dwelling place. 
for a while in the Old Testament, it seemed like we had stuffed things up through our sin, through our disobedience, all over and over again. But God kept pursuing us. He made a way out of no way for us to be able to once again live in relationship with him the way he had originally planned and created us to do. So that's the first element. The second element is the water. The second element in this vision. And so straight off the bat, we see that there is something unusual about this water. The Bible says it started out as a trickle. A thousand cubits later, which is about half a K, 500 meters about, it's ankle deep now. Another thousand cubits later, it's knee deep. Later, it's waist deep. Have you ever seen a leaky hose outside a house? Not, not your house, because your, your hose is 100%. No leaky hoses, eh, south side? I saw this leaky hose once, and it was dripping. But you know, what comes off of the trickling of water out of a hose? What happens? Nothing. Maybe it makes a little puddle on the ground, but it doesn't go anywhere. It just kind of dries up before it can anything can happen, right? But this trickle, it's different. Trickles don't get bigger and become rivers. Somehow this one does. In Ezekiel's vision, there's no other streams that are flowing into the stream, but it goes from a trickle to ankle deep to knee deep to waist deep all in the course of about 1.5 Ks. But somehow, as we read in the scripture, the further Ezekiel dares to go into the water, it just supernaturally and miraculously continues to get deeper and wider. The Bible says that the angel led Ezekiel into the water and through the water. And you know what? The thing about water, some of us have learned the painful way, the thing about water is you don't know how deep it is until you're in it. And so the angel didn't want Ezekiel just to stand there and look at the water. It's pretty cool. He wanted him to step into it. He needed to enter in so that he could see how deep it would get. And so this picture in this vision of the water, it's a picture of the presence of God and how it works. Have you ever met someone who is like so super spiritual? You know, it seems like the presence of God to them is just so real, you know. Those people. It seems like they hear from God every day without any kind of effort. They can fast for 40 days in the wilderness, standing on one leg, and survive on one single drop of the morning dew and half a rainbow. And you know what? They have visions and dreams, like every second Tuesday, and angels visit them. Do you know anyone like that? Oh, yeah, I wish I was like that. I'm really not like that. I don't know about you, but sometimes the presence of God in my life, it doesn't feel very strong sometimes. You know, sometimes it just feels like a trickle that um, is almost easy to deny as even that. Um, does anyone else feel like that? 
You know, there's no billboard from God with flashlights saying, I am with you, my child. And you go skipping down the road. You know, there's, there's not nothing like that. You know, he's saying, I am with you. Go this way. Talk to that person. Here's the lotto numbers. Do this. Do that. But, you know, the presence of God sometimes just feels like a trickle in the background. You know, one of the things that I always prayed to God growing up, you know, if I was ever, like, scared or nervous about something, if I was going into a, a exam at uni or if I was needing to do something that I was nervous about, I would always pray this prayer, Lord, be with me. Please be with me as I do this. Do you guys pray that prayer? Yeah. Well, just recently... <laughs> God told me to stop praying that prayer. You know why? Because he says, I am already with you. I am with you already. Oops, <laughs> sorry. I should know that by now, you know. He says it over and over in his word. In fact, 65 times those exact words appear in the Bible. I am with you. And over 400 times it appears in just other ways, in other words. You know, it reminds me of, you know, when I say to my kids, how many times did I tell you? How many times do I have to tell you? Do your laundry. Pick up your stuff, you know. <laughs> and then God says, I've told you 465 times that I'm with you. And now you are still praying. Please be with me. <laughs> Jesus said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The end of the age means forever. Not just till the end of the month or the end of next Wednesday when you get paid and you don't need me anymore because you got money. <laughs> His presence is with us always, you know, during good times and during hard times. His presence is with us always when we can feel it and when we don't feel it. Uh, this is Joey, my buddy. Joey is my youngest son, he's 12. He is very, very, very different. He is very unique. That is probably the tamest photo that we have of him. You know, a typical day with Joey, he loves to watch documentaries, so he knows everything about the most random things. And so I was told last week, this week just gone, that um, he got bullied at school. Uh, there was this new girl at school who's She's about my height, but she's 12, I think. Anyway, uh, Joey was walking to go and join his line to go into class. And this girl, I don't know what she was thinking, but um, she went up to him and she pushed him. And he went flying into the wall. And he turned around and he said, hey. And then she went right up to his face. This is what I was told. She went right up to his face. And she said, whoa. You got a problem? And then he said, actually, I have two problems. <laughs> he goes, I have two problems. Number one, the oil that the United States is stealing from the world. <laughs> That's my first problem. And number two, you pushed me. <laughs> and then she goes right up to his face and says, well, what are you going to do about it? And then, remember, this is my son who has watched every documentary about dinosaurs, 
pigs, what else? Sharks. He goes to her, I will enlarge my capacity. <laughs> I will assert my dominance. <laughs> and then he goes, <laughs> and this girl, she goes, oh my gosh, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> and she left. And you know, everyone knew that Joey can stand up for himself, but oh, I just love him. He's so different. <laughs> Who knew that weirdness was a form of self-defense? <laughs> anyway, a lot of you guys know that he is our miracle baby. Um, when I was seven months pregnant, we had huge complications, and um, the doctors had no choice but to get him out early. So they took us to surgery, uh, and before I knew it, he was out and healthy, and that was it. We were, like, waiting in the recovery room, waiting to go home, um, waiting to go home, waiting to go to the ward. <laughs> uh, but the thing is, you know, I want to cut that long story really short. The thing is, uh, we were both supposed to die because of the complications that had happened. Apparently, I'd lost um, almost three liters of blood, and he hadn't had oxygen for a long time. And so the doctors were just thinking, oh, this does not look good. But they said when they opened me up and got him out, he was just chilling. Two days after he was born, the surgeon came up looking for me in the ward. And he came into my room and he said, I, I've been looking for you because I need to tell you something. I've been at this, he was an older gentleman who'd obviously been a surgeon for a long time. And he said, I don't know why you are still alive. He said, I can't explain why your baby is just chilling. Like he didn't have to go into incubation or anything. He was just looking around, smiling. He couldn't believe that we were both alive and healthy. I was gonna say, you know, everything since he was born has been normal, but um, yeah, you're all looking at that photo, so you know that nothing's been normal. But this moment of my life, when the surgeon came up and explained to me uh, what had happened, that was a moment kind of like a billboard with flashing lights, and I could sense God was with me like a raging river. I couldn't deny it. I sensed that he was with me. I felt it. The reality of his presence, the thing is, the reality of his presence in my life, it hadn't changed. He wasn't with me more that day than he had been all of those days and years leading up to that day. He was with me just the same. And he's been with me since that day, up until today, just the same amount. His presence doesn't go like this. He says he is with me, he is with me. So what did change? How come it's a trickle sometimes? How come it's a river sometimes with flashing lights? What changed? It was my awareness of his presence that changed. The angel said to Ezekiel, son of man, do you see this? Do you see this? Lord, help us to see. Help us to see what you're doing. And so I realized that asking God to be with me is the wrong prayer. What we should be praying is, God, help me to see. Help me to be more aware of your presence in my life and what you're doing.
Just like in Ezekiel's vision, when you first look at God's presence, it may seem small. But if you keep following, keep following his lead, you will see, as you ask him to help you to see, you will see that he has always been with you, even bringing you to this very moment. You keep following, keep going deeper into his presence. You will see that his presence in your life is more real, more deep, and more wide than you ever realized. Son of man, do you see this? His presence is a mighty river, and it has power and strength that we can't even understand. Ezekiel says that it got so deep that he couldn't touch the ground. He had to swim. It got so wide that no one could cross. I don't know if Ezekiel was much of a swimmer, but I know some pretty fit, strong swimmers. I know some people who can swim for Ks. Have you guys ever been to Mission Bay, like St. Heliers? There it is there. And you see Rangitoto in the distance. It's quite far away, right? I have some friends from my gym who decided that one Saturday it would be a good idea to catch a boat over and swim back. They started to ask me to join them, and halfway through their question, I was like, ha, 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 ha. To me, that is a huge distance, but the river of God's presence was far huger that no one could cross it. The Bible says no one could cross it, not even the strongest, fittest, or craziest person could get across the river of his presence. Yet it all started from a trickle. I believe that the further we are willing to go in to God, he wants to show us more and more and take us deeper in our relationship and our intimacy with him. That's when miracles can happen. Jesus said to the Samaritan woman, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. You know, the thing about this river, the thing about God's presence is that it's not about us. It's not about you. What is the purpose of a spring? It's to water and nourish others for generations. God's presence in my life is ultimately not about me. His vision for my life, it's not about me. And it's not even about my family. His vision for your life is not about you. It's about the generations that come after us. You know, some of us need to think and dream beyond just ourselves and our families and our own success and our own little bubble. We need to think generationally. The Bible says everywhere that the river touched became bursting with life and bursting with, with activity. There was healing, there was movement, there was growth. Dead things came to life, and the life spread. It even flowed into the Dead Sea. This is the Dead Sea. Nothing can grow there. There's no grass, there's no trees, nothing can grow there. Because that water is 33% salt. But the text says, 
that when the river went into the Dead Sea, the salty water became fresh. Swarms of living creatures lived wherever the river wherever the river flowed. Large numbers of fish because the water flowed there and made the salt water fresh. That's crazy. Imagine if I had a bucket of salt water and a bucket of fresh water and I poured both buckets into a bathtub. What do I have now? A bathtub full of salt water. Why? Because fresh water does not make salty water fresh. The opposite is true. There is something supernatural about this water. Son of man, do you see it? I believe that Ezekiel's vision is very much like the vision that God has for us, his people. His church, whatever the river touches, whatever we touch, everything about the atmosphere must change. The very chemistry of what was once dead is transformed by the presence of God. The presence of God that flows out of us as a spring to nourish others, to nourish the generations to come. But how deep are we willing to go? You know, I was thinking, a lot of us in this room are knee deep in our relationship with God. And some of us have been knee deep for a while. We've grown comfortable with the measure of faith that we have. I'm sweet. We don't want to go any further. You know, kind of like those girls who straighten their hair. Not me, this is natural. (laughs) You know those girls who straighten their hair and they go swimming, but they don't want to go right in because, you know, all of those hours that they spend. They don't want to be uncomfortable. They don't want to take a risk. God is getting ready to show himself in a measure in a way that we have never seen him before. But he is calling us, dare to go deeper. Dare to go deeper. Enter more into his presence. Allow him to lead you deeper. Son of man, do you see this? You know, Ulu mentioned Friday night, we went to the Declare event. And you know, I was standing there on the stage Looking out at all of the people, there were so many pastors there, so many churches there, all just so passionate in their worship of God and so passionately praying and interceding for Southside. So, like, and I'm probably one of the most antisocial people. <laughs> but I was standing there looking at everybody and I was thinking, man, this, this is amazing. And I kept saying to Ulu, I've never seen anything like this before. You know, I've grown up in church my whole life. My dad was a pastor. I've never seen so many pastors so uh, unified and crazy chasing after the same thing without trying to make themselves or promote themselves or their own churches. I said to Ulu, man, I've never seen anything like that before. But I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, girl, (laughs) girl, God's got an accent like a, you know. I felt the Holy Spirit say, man, the season that I have coming for you, you're going to be saying that a lot because I'm going to do lots of things that you have never seen me do before. But like Ezekiel, how far will you dare to follow me in? You know, as I close, there's there's a stretching and a growing going on. God is doing in us. I can feel it. 
you know, I can feel him stretching me. Oh, man, it's uncomfortable and it so hurts. But he's saying to us, you need to be stronger for what I have for you in the days to come. I need to stretch you now. Some of us are in situations where we really need to start trusting more. We need to start trusting God more. We need to start praying more. We need to get into our word more. God has a vision for us. He has a vision for Southside. He has a vision for our church families. Beyond what we could ever imagine. How deep are we willing to go? And how wet will you dare to get?